So in this letter to the churches, plural, in Galatia, at the very end of it, the people are reminded or encouraged to not give up, to not grow weary. So here's the reality that all of us at times are, uh, we feel like giving up. We, we, we grow weary and we feel like just giving up. And from a Christian standpoint, what is it that we give up on doing? And the answer in the text is doing good. We just kind of give up on doing good. You ever been there where it's like, what does it matter? What, what is the point of doing good and being kind and being gracious and being merciful and being forgiving? And what's the point of, of, of going to church and reading my Bible and praying? And what's the point of all of it if nothing changes? If the world is still crazy, if it's always just going to be bad until Jesus comes back, why would I keep putting myself out there to do good if, if it's just never going to pay off? And all of us at times, we get there where it's like, why? What's the point? Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep showing grace? Why do I keep showing mercy? Why do I keep extending forgiveness? And the Word of God reminds us, don't grow weary there. Do not give up. And it gives us the reason, and I pray this morning the Holy Spirit will settle this in our hearts. Here's the reason. Because we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. We will. It is the promise of God Himself that in due season, in God's time, which isn't my time, it's not your time, but in God's time, there is a harvest that comes when we continually and faithfully sow righteousness. This morning, what I want to set out to do is demonstrate that this idea of sowing and reaping, it's not just an idea. It's not just kind of like something that might be important to know about, but that it is a divine law that is impacting your life right now, whether you know it or not. That you cannot escape the divine law of sowing and reaping. And because you can't escape it, it's very important that you understand how the law works. It's similar to gravity. When I use the word law, it's like it doesn't matter if you don't believe in gravity or not. It impacts your life and you can't escape it. So it is with the law, the divine law of sowing and reaping. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not doesn't matter if you don't think it exists. It's impacting your life right now as we speak. So, there's some important things that need to be considered when we think about this. This law applies whether you're a Christian or not. And so, 
this morning, I want to look at three facts about the divine law of sowing and reaping. Number one, you always reap what you sow. You always reap what you sow. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. That will he also reap. So, the obvious analogy here is to agriculture. And from an agriculture standpoint, none of us, none of us would think that if we planted apple seeds, possibly corn might grow. There's nobody in this room that would think that. It's a stupid thought, ignorant, that whatever a person sows, that he reaps. You sow corn, you get corn. You sow wheat, you get wheat. You sow beans, you get beans. From an agricultural standpoint, it is common sense. Yet, from a spiritual standpoint, we tend to think differently. And on this principle, it starts off with, do not be deceived. There's not a lot of places in the Bible where we are taught truth that it starts off with, don't be deceived. This is one of them, though. Why would we need to be told, don't be deceived, whatever a person sows, that he reaps? Because we are deceived into thinking that it's possible to sow the wrong seed and reap a good harvest. Or we think it's possible to not sow any seed at all, to just be lazy in our spiritual lives, and that somehow God has to bless us with a great spiritual harvest. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, so you always receive the harvest that you've been sowing for. Whatever a person sows, that will he also reap. Now, this is a super, super important spiritual law to understand because you can't get around it. You cannot escape it. I can't escape it. Now, the awesome thing about this passage, and it's where I will conclude, and I'll mention it throughout this sermon. The awesome thing about this passage is that it's actually a promise to those who do good. It certainly has application to those who aren't sowing good seed, but this is a promise to those who stay the task, who stay faithful, who keep doing good, that God will, in fact, reward and bring a harvest in God's time. So it's a very encouraging promise to know that your labor has not gone unnoticed, that there is nothing that we do for the name of Jesus, for the cause of Christ. There is nothing that we do 
that's for nothing. That, that God in God's time will bless it, will use it in God's way, and that therefore we just need to keep on sowing and keep doing good. I want to share with you how this particular truth impacted my life. So, number one, you always reap what you sow. Number two, there are many types of seeds that you sow. And through explaining this, I, I just I want to kind of share my story. First of all, there are a lot of different types of seeds that you sow. In 1 Corinthians, one of the seeds that Christians can sow is the seed of money. And we are taught that God provides the seed to the sower. And so God blesses us first that we might be able to sow back into his kingdom. But you can sow kindness, you can sow mercy, you can sow time, you can sow grace. And you know what you'll find? That when you sow kindness, you get kindness back. You'll find that generally speaking, if you sow the seeds of grace and patience with people, that you will receive grace and patience with the very same people that you're sowing seed into, generally speaking. But the flip side of that is also true. If you sow anger and malice and jealousy and bitterness and unforgiveness, you will find that you tend to reap those same things. Consider, for example, all the wrong types of seeds that we are all too often sowing. Angry husbands. And then all of a sudden, there's no peace in the house. There's no intimacy at home. Nagging wives always got something wrong. Now all of a sudden, the husband's not feeling very loving. Whining friends. Maybe that's you. But if not, like all of us, you've had that friend in your life that's just whining all the time. And I'm not trying to be mean-spirited this morning. I'm actually trying to help you. I'm teaching you about the law of sowing and reaping. You've all had that friend that's just constantly, something wrong every single time the friend's around. It's all they can ever talk about, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. And, and God bless them, and we want to help them. But you know what? When I'm looking to have a good time, and I want to have a fun evening, guess who I don't call to hang out? The whiny friend. And now all of a sudden, the whiny friend is wondering why they reap a harvest if nobody ever wants them around. You can get mad at me this morning. I'm telling you, this is a law that's outside of my hands. I'm just teaching you the truth. We reap what we sow. And the only way to fix it is by changing what you sow. Violent fathers, detached fathers, lazy men and women, liars, gossipers, all of these seeds bring about a harvest. And in the Christian community especially, 
there are two major pieces about this law of sowing and reaping that it's like we've lost our minds about. First of all, we don't think that we should reap a negative harvest because of our sins or our negative actions. We think to ourselves, well, if God's a God of grace and God forgives me, then why would there be any negative harvest? Let me explain. I am a Christian. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Let's say that later today, something happens in my life and I just have a bad day. I'm not having a bad day today. Today's a pretty good day. But let's just say that something happens. Let's say I'm on edge of breaking. And I run into you at Walmart, and you become the straw that breaks the camel's back, and I just unleash on you. And I'm really, truly rude and demeaning, and I make you feel small and ashamed for even approaching me. And then I get away from there, and I'm like, Jocelyn, that was just wrong, man. And I know that I sinned against God and my attitude, and I know that I sinned against you. And I might even call you and tell you I'm really sorry for telling you that you're an idiot. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that I said all those things to you. I wish you wouldn't have hurt them. And I can ask God to forgive me, and here's what I know. God will. And I know that I'm still going to heaven. But you and I both know that there was damage that would have been done in that moment. And it's not like God just magically waves his little wand over you and brainwashes you to all of a sudden love me again and think that I'm a great caring guy. I will reap what I have sown. And a lot of times as Christians, we don't think that. We think we can just flippantly be how we want to be and flippantly go about our way and sin here and sin there and fly off the cuff here and fly off the cuff there. And then we want to be mad at God because the harvest that we're receiving isn't a good harvest. It's insanity. It matters that you take great concern into what you're sowing. So that's one area that we as Christians often get this very wrong. A lot of times our modern day Christianity, we've got a bunch of shallow Christians that have very little commitment to God, very little time in the Word. They hardly even know the Word of God. Therefore, they hardly even know God. They're still living and participating in a very um, kind of on the border, on the fence Christianity. And then they want to know why it just doesn't seem like their life is filled with the things of God and why God's blessings aren't falling. And it's just crazy. I mean, imagine if you had a whole, a whole field sowed with nothing but weeds and there was really no good harvest and you would let your field just become overrun and you're going through your acres of field and you think to yourself, you know what? I really need to change this life of mine. I'm going to give it a shot. And you just casually toss out like one or two seeds of, you know, maybe some wheat. And then you go back and you cross your arms to see if that changes your whole life. It'd be nonsense. Welcome to how most people try God. Just going to toss a seed or two out. I might give God three church services. 
And he better change everything in my life and fix the financial mess I got myself and fix the relationship mess I got myself in. And if he doesn't, then it's all worthless. Nonsense. And harvests don't come in a moment. They take work. They take some time. Which leads me to my second point here where we often get it wrong in Christianity. On one hand, we think, you know, that we shouldn't receive any type of bad harvest for our sinful actions, and it's just not true from an earthly perspective. But on the other hand, we also want God to bless us while we are being lazy spiritually. Like the harvest doesn't happen if you don't get into the field and plant the seed. We just, we just want to do very little, and we want God to radically change our lives, and God to bless us, and we want to walk with the power of God and the anointing of God, and, and we want to have this close connection with God. And it's like no time in the Word, very little time in the Word, no time on our knees before God in prayer, or very little time on our knees before God in prayer. And we're just not really sowing spiritually, but we expect God to somehow just shower us with all of these blessings. And what we see is that's just not how God works. And His Word has told us that's not how it works. And if we want to receive a harvest, we must continue to sow good seed. In Proverbs 20 and verse 4, it says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. This is one of the important principles, by the way, of Christian leadership. Even as a Christian, you need to hear what I'm about to tell you. Clearly, we're told to do good to all people, yep. Clearly, we're told especially to be good to the household of faith. I do, so don't misunderstand me with what I'm about to tell you. And it takes a degree of discernment at the leadership level to understand what I'm saying. But sometimes we as Christians want to swoop in and keep people from suffering their harvest. And that ain't the way of God. I'm not saying we don't help people. Trust me, I'm a big fan of helping people. And anybody that knows me knows that. But it does take some wisdom. I've helped people before, and I've erred. But I've helped people before that come in, and they're in a financial mess because they want to go spend two or $300 a month going to concerts, smoking things they shouldn't be smoking, drinking things they shouldn't be drinking, paying things for things they shouldn't need to be paid for, and then they want me to pay the bills they need to be paying. All of a sudden, the harvest has come due, and guess what? they got a, a house payment they can't pay, but somehow... Four weeks ago, they had no problem taking a vacation to so-and-so place to go, you know, this concert, that concert, get this hotel, that hotel, and they want us to swoop in and keep them from the harvest of their bad financial decisions. Guess what I found? Because I've done it before, folks. Guess what I found? Even the church can't stop the law of sowing and reaping. Turns out we paid their bills and they were still doing the same old thing the following week. And nothing changed in their life. And all that we did was enable it and kick the can down the road for another three weeks. Now, I'm not saying you don't help people that need help. and I, 
just do not misunderstand me, but I'm telling you, a lot of times people are receiving the harvest of their actions, and all of a sudden the harvest comes due, and they're like, somebody help, somebody help, somebody help. And we got, we got to have the wisdom of God to know, well, when, when are we helping and when are we actually not? Verse 7 again, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. Now, on the flip side of this, the same law is the fact that those who sow in righteousness will reap a sure reward. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked earns deceptive wages. But one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. You see, there's there's two sides to this. I want to share with you how God used this in my life in a very important time of my life. This is a great lesson for anybody that's just spent time sowing the wrong seed. So, before I was a Christian, I was a really bad guy. And I lived in a very small town, not that that changes anything, but the thing is, I did live in a small town, and so everybody knew me and my family. I was a convicted felon. Um, I was a known criminal, and I was just an all-around bad guy. Well, then I got saved. And I'm so thankful that I learned this principle Early on, I like the first two months that I was a Christian, like the Holy Spirit helped me see what I'm sharing with you this morning. And it was so important for me, and here's why. So my wife, Andrea, most of you know my wife, she was my girlfriend for a couple of years before her and I got saved. And you could imagine her family did not want her with a guy like me. And to their credit, I wouldn't want my girls dating a guy like me. To make matters worse, my wife's mother, who is now my mother-in-law, was the head secretary at the high school that I attended. She had seen me do and say some bad things to her. Things that I would, I, I just, I couldn't even have a clean conscience sharing with you on a church stage some of the stuff that I did as a high school boy to who is now my mother-in-law and her sister who was my biology teacher. It's probably not the worst thing they saw me do. But my mother-in-law watched me have to come in and basically be nursed back to health on a drug overdose one, one day at school. She, she had seen me just, she had one of the closest views behind closed doors to how messed up my life was. Could you imagine your little girl dating somebody like that? And then when Andrea turned 18, which happened to be in her junior year of high school, On her 18th birthday, she moved out of her mom and dad's house to move in with me. Well, about a year and a half later, you know what happened? I got saved. 
Now, this is common sense right here to, to a crowd this size, but just hear me out. What do you really expect her parents to just think, oh, great, the guy's saved. And I'll be honest, I don't think they even knew what that meant at that time. I mean, our lives were radically changed. But I had sown a lot of bad seeds into that family. And only by the grace of God, somehow, I'm telling you, it's like the Holy Spirit helped me to see what I'm sharing with you this morning. I had no expectation for them to trust a word out of my mouth. They knew that before that moment, what they knew was right about me. I was one of the best liars you've ever met in your life. Some of the people called me the kid with the silver tongue. You better believe they didn't listen to anything I said. They were glad their daughter was back home. But I knew this. And I'm telling you, I had the right heart about it. Joplin, you're reaping what you've sown, man. What do you expect? You really expect mom and dad just come around, throw their arms around you now all of a sudden, like, oh, welcome to the family, son. No. And I knew it. I knew these people are not going to trust me. Not because of one thing that I've done wrong. Not because of one seed that I've sown. But because I have sown seed after seed after seed after seed after seed after seed of negative harvest. And I was reaping what I had sown. But listen, I saw the flip side of this too, folks. I knew. And here's the beautiful thing about harvest. You have to keep planting to get a harvest. You can't just plant wheat in a field and then all of a sudden have wheat for the next 20 years. I knew that. I knew that there will come a time when this will change. And so what i got to do, I've got to quit sowing the wrong seed and I've just got to find opportunities. As you find opportunity, do good. I, and it's like every opportunity I have, I'm just going to stay faithful. I'm going to keep sowing the good seed. And here's what I know. There will come a time when the harvest will change. And I'm going to tell you something. 23 years later, the harvest has changed. Her parents love me. How could they not? <laughs> but seriously, our relationship's awesome now. It really is. I'm going to tell you something, though. It took years. It wasn't months. It wasn't like old Joplin was you know, on fire for God for three months, and they just wrapped him in. I'm telling you, folks, it took years and, and, it is, and they had every reason for it to take years for them to really open their hearts to trust, okay, this is real. But you want to know why they did? Because this law impacts everybody whether you want it to or not. It is the law of sowing and reaping. And so I want to encourage you this morning If you're in a place where it's like things aren't right, you need to know it is never too late to stop sowing the wrong seed and start sowing the right seed. Start sowing seeds of righteousness and seeds of mercy and seeds of grace and seeds of love and seeds of compassion. And you just stay the task. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not give up. And you will reap a harvest. Now, number three this morning, I want you to see 
that sowing these seeds of righteousness is your choice. It is a choice that you have to make. Look what Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. In the morning, sow your seed. And at the evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So here's a principle of sowing and reaping. If you wait to sow until you are guaranteed a harvest, you won't do it. He says the farmer that goes out and waits to decide if he's going to sow seed based upon what the clouds are doing, based upon the wind and the storms, like he won't sow. There will always be a reason not to. If you wait to sow seeds of mercy and grace and kindness until you are absolutely sure they're going to appreciate it and they're going to pay me back, you won't do it. You will withhold righteous seeds, if you will. You will withhold doing good to people, doing good for the name of Jesus. You'll withhold it if you wait to give it until you know for sure it's going to be received. And instead, God says, here's the attitude you ought to have. Sow some seed in the morning, sow it in the evening, sow it every opportunity you got, because you have no idea when it will or won't produce a harvest. For all you know, both of them will. The concept is this. We just need to sow as much seed as we could possibly sow, every opportunity that we can sow, whether it's morning, whether it's day, whether it's night, every day, sow seed, and in doing so, we will eventually reap a harvest. But if you're waiting for an exact harvest, you'll never sow. The harvest is guaranteed, just not exactly what that harvest is, or how that harvest comes. Again, look at our main passage, verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Here is the promise from God, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So what's the conclusion? Verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. So we're told to do good to everyone. And did you know that that piece was added especially to the household of faith? You know what that, in, in, if I was to try to help explain that, here's what I would say. So like to your brothers and sisters, to those of us who are the family of God, we have an extra degree of goodness that we are to show to each other. Now this does not negate our responsibility to do good to everyone. But to each other, those of us who are the family of God, like, listen, whatever I have is yours. Whatever need you have, let me know. I am your brother. We are one family. We have the same father. We are, we are united. And so to you, I owe a special degree of goodness. So as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Now, 
I want to conclude with something that's really important to understand about the harvest. Biblically, in a small, um, when we take the, 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 the concept of the harvest and look at it in a maybe personal way, listen, everything I've said this morning is true, 100% true. But, biblically, the harvest is not so much about you. It's not so much about you getting your reward. When the Bible talks about the harvest that we receive, it is much more in reference to souls being added to the kingdom of God. Like, this is the harvest that we are after. So, while it is true that if I sow seeds of kindness and patience and mercy and grace, and that's just constantly the type of seeds that I'm sowing, while it is true that, generally speaking, I will receive kindness and grace and mercy, the reason that we sow isn't so that I get something back. And the motive of sowing kindness and mercy and grace, it's not so that you are kind and merciful and gracious to me, the reason that we sow those seeds, the motive behind sowing those seeds, is in hope that it will produce a spiritual harvest when people witness our God-like love, when people witness us being gracious and being merciful and being kind. The hope is that the harvest we receive is a harvest of souls. In Psalm 126, verses 5 through 6, it takes this idea of sowing and reaping to another level. It says that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So, I would argue that clearly this is not a reference to somebody's harvest of wheat. This is not a reference to, you know, sowing for wheat and crying while you do it, and then being so happy when wheat comes up that you run around shouting with joy. This is a reference, most literally, to the people of Israel coming back into their homeland. But the general concept of shouts of joy when the harvest comes, I think we find its culmination in Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 15 about the very reason that he came. When Jesus teaches us, and on two different occasions, through two different parables, back-to-back tells us that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance than over 99 just persons. There are shouts of joy. And we see that whatever this harvest is, is so important that the person sowing and anticipating the harvest is so 
involved in the process, so concerned about the process that they are sowing in tears. And it reminds me of Paul when Paul said that for the last several years, as you know, night and day I have, this was Paul's words, warned you with tears. He preached with such a passion that he frequently had tears in his eyes as he was warning people to turn from their sins and follow Jesus. And so I want to, uh, I want to challenge us this morning to honestly, those of you, the, the sons and daughters of God this morning, I want to challenge us to honestly ask ourselves, when was the last time that you sowed in tears? When is the last time that you were seriously so concerned about someone in your family, maybe a lost loved one, maybe our community, maybe our culture, that, 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 and, and, and for a move of God, for a harvest of God, for new life to spring forth in a situation or in a person, that you were so moved by it that tears welled up in your eyes as you were talking to God and asking God to bring life to a situation. Because that type of sowing brings about the type of harvest that's followed with shouts of joy. I think it's really hard to get that picture and still think that sowing and reaping is all about me giving 10 bucks so that I can get 100 back. That is so stupid. To think that I'm going to do this so that I get something back. No, this law of sowing and reaping, folks, is so much bigger than that. I do not deny that there is application, that the seeds that you sow on this earth impact what happens to your life here on this earth. I don't deny that. But we are shallow. The only reason I'm going to show kindness and mercy and grace is so that I get something out of it. We are shallow. The only reason that I'm going to give and be sacrificial is because I get a return. Our goal is to sow and sow and sow and sow so that he gets a return. So that the kingdom of God expands so that sinners are saved, so that God's name is uh, lifted up and God is glorified. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. I'll go ahead and ask our worship team if you guys will come as I read this last passage. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When Jesus tells us this in Matthew 9, it is unmistakably about souls. It is clearly about the harvest of souls. That was the harvest that Jesus gave his life for. That was the harvest that Jesus was speaking about when he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it cannot produce life. Jesus gave his life for you 
and for I. And our job as Christians is now to go into the field and sow seed. Don't wait until you know what you're going to get out of it. Can you imagine, and here's the concept that we have in Galatians 6 when it says, do not grow weary, don't give up. The idea is that all of us, we're going to go from here, and we're going to look for opportunities to sow kindness, and to sow compassion, and to sow truth, and to sow grace, and to sow love, and to sow mercy, to look for opportunities to sow the gospel when God opens up that door as well, right? Our job is to sow in every possible way that we can. And if you're sowing, and you're sowing, and you're sowing, and you're sowing, and we're doing it in the morning, and we're doing it at night, and we're, we're just looking for opportunities to sow the seed of God, you know what happens? We reap the harvest of seeing God's church expanded, of seeing sinners coming to know Jesus, of seeing people, sometimes people, maybe they're wounded, they're hurt, maybe rightfully so you'll never know what a seed of kindness and a seed of compassion and a seed of grace and a seed of mercy could possibly do to start to to bring new life into the heart of that person. And all of us, at times, we need this word from God. Don't grow weary. Do not give up. This is a promise to God's people that we will reap in due time. I don't care what it looks like. It's not my job to create the harvest. God's the one who's promised he's going to reward. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care when it is. But here's what I know. God's already promised it. And that's enough reason for me to say I am not going to give up. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm just going to keep being faithful to God. I'm going to keep sowing good seed. I'm going to keep sharing the gospel. I'm going to keep showing grace. I'm going to keep showing mercy.